Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to a uranium junior minor investor called Terry Papinov, and he helped us to understand the trials and travails of investing in the space and make sense of it. So where does he find his information? How does he interpret it? And how does he make investment decisions? You may have some views of your own. And if you do, do leave those um, below. And if you want to see some of the things we've talked about, you can take a look in the description. And of course, if you want to get more detailed analysis of the, analysis of the world of investing in uranium, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Uh, we can also find detailed company reports. There's market commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of topics, uh, companies and commodities, including uranium. Um, so do go there now and sign up at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Matt, and yourself? You're not too bad. Well, thanks for joining us. I mean, we, we've, we've come across each other on social media. We have a shared love and interest, which is uranium. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But first of all, where in the world are you? Well, I'm in a beautiful French River, um, Albon in Ontario, and uh, it's our family cottage. And uh, I'm really uh, lucky to be in such a great place. And the weather's been absolutely beautiful recently. Fantastic, fantastic. And what, what do you do up there? I've got an open invitation to come anytime, Matthew. Honestly, that's your first mistake. People often say that. People say that and they think that they'll never be here. I'm that guy that shows up. <laughs> With a case of that wine you've been showing there on Twitter. All the good stuff. I, I, it would it, it probably cost me more to get it in the country than it would uh, <laughs> to buy it locally. Um, but yes, uh, invitation accepted. Thank you. And so what do you do up there? You've got a cottage, you said, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, we're, uh, my wife and I are happily retired. Uh, but uh, so I've got a, the cottage allows me to go uh, fishing and do a lot of the hobbies that I enjoy doing, like uh, spending some time in, in the forest. And, um, you know, uh, we also have a consulting business that keeps us um, busy. So we're working on a few contracts. And uh, my main passion is the amount of time that I spend just uh, trying to find all kinds of information related to uranium. Right. Well, we're going to have a good old natter about that in a second, but first or better. So you, you, you classify yourself as a retail investor. Is that fair? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So w what have you done in your life? So what, what jobs were you um, doing uh, to kind of get to this point? Well, I started in education as a teacher and, uh, uh, you know, in the 1990s, there weren't a lot of jobs. Uh, both my wife and I were were qualified. We had a master's degree, we had a principal certificate, uh, you know, qualified for all kinds of jobs, but it was difficult. We were being from one place to the other. And I had a passion, which was, uh, I wanted to learn about finances, you know, m you know, managing money. I didn't know much about that. So I, I started, uh, I started into the financial planning business uh, around 1997 and I stayed in the business until about 2003 and uh, which I sold my book and I went back to education. And then, uh, so I had a variety of positions. I moved up the ranks, uh, vice principal, principal. I was responsible for a provincial uh, uh, teacher training program. And then uh, came back into the school board where I finished my career as a superintendent. 
And since 1996, uh, I've been really actively watching the markets, learning about the markets. Uh, at the beginning, my investments were through mutual funds. And uh, in the in the past uh, five, six years, it's been directly uh, investing into equities where you know, I felt comfortable enough in my knowledge to start uh, doing it myself. Right. Good. Good on you. Now, we're, we're going to talk about your uh, investment thesis. You all right. are all in on uranium. Nothing that's else right. will do. Why? Well, that, that's a very good question. Um, so I, I need to, in a nutshell, to go back in my sort of uh, – learnings about the financial markets and the industry, um, you know, I, I was able to recognize patterns that proved out to be true. In the 1990s, 1996, 97, 98, uh, back then, when it comes to investment, investing, it seems as though uh, people, most people do exactly the opposite of what they should be doing. And they, they do the exactly the opposite of what they do as consumers. When you're a consumer and you're buying, you know, cans of soup and you love that soup, it's good soup. You see the price of that soup going down. What do you do? You load up on it. Um, when it came to investing, that's not what my clients wanted. Uh, when I was in the business, they were, they would look at, you know, mutual fund printouts of past performance showing, you know, uh, 15, 18, 20%, you know, annual return on average, they wanted in on those funds without understanding why the fund was showing a high performance at that time. I was trying to convince them to buy into precious metals, you know, where past performance showing negative 35% yearly for the past five years, precious metals funds. Gold was selling at about $240 an ounce back then. 250. And luckily, a few of my clients, you know, took my advice and uh, were very happily rewarded when the price of gold ran up to about $1,800 a pound. So, you know, that's one trend that I realized, uh, you know, you need to, you need to be, so that's kind of the contrarian look for value where others aren't looking. And then I learned another really big lesson at the end of the 1990s. Uh, with the dot-com bubble. And in the financial planning business at that time, it was challenging in some instances with clients because the internet had just developed. And, you know, I think it was E-Trade that was the first platform that was available for people to start trading on their computers at home. And you had a bunch of brilliant genius traders at that time because they were buying dot-com IPOs that would go up five, six, seven, ten times on opening day. So everybody thought they were brilliant, making tons and tons of money. But, you know, I recognized that that was not sustainable. It was not. And I steered my clients away from, from uh, tech uh, funds. But some people absolutely insisted, no, I want this tech fund. I want to be in the tech business. They just want, they want to, they want to live that, participate in that wave. So, um, so that's another uh, sort of uh, trend that I, that I learned is that, you know, when everybody's going in, uh, you know, and, and the valuations in these companies just make no sense at all. 
uh, you have to be very careful. And I'm seeing some of that in the market today. So that was kind of a second big aha learning moment for me. And I started putting those, uh, what I learned to use. So probably six, seven years ago, I was looking at the price of oil. And as, as I've mentioned to you, I, I, I spent two to three hours a day just researching anything related to investing. And I was noticing that the price of oil was, I'm a fisherman. So when you fish for, for pickerel or walleye, you want your lure to bounce on the bottom, you know? So I, I, I noticed that the price of oil was bottom bouncing. That was the bottom, you know, it was at about $33, 34, it would go up to 39 then up back down. And I'm going, that's the bottom. And, uh, at that time, I'd started uh, traveling considerably for work, going to China and, and, and no, just seeing how, you know, people were saying, well, we won't need oil anymore because there's these electric vehicles coming out. And I, I'm going to China and seeing these millions and millions of cars on the road just consuming oil. I'm going, there's no way the price of oil can stay at $32, $33 a barrel. So shifted my money that I had mutual funds back then into natural resource or oil focused funds and watched the price of oil go up to about $80 a pound and then got out of that to get into uranium. So about, and it was in 19, uh, 2016 and uh, I was watching Bloomberg News because Crux wasn't putting any content at that time. That's why. And uh, there's this fund manager that was talking about chemical and said, you know, chemical, it's just, it's the, it's the bane of my existence. You know, it's a great company. They got the two best mines, the richest mines in the world. They got outstanding management team, but the price of the stock is just, you know, brutal. Like it's, it's just, and it doesn't want to go anywhere. So that was music to my ears. That was value at a discount. And I didn't know anything about uranium, didn't know anything about chemical at that time and started you know, researching the uranium market. And the more I looked into it, the more I was realizing that for me, for my style, the uranium sector was possibly the opportunity of a lifetime. Okay, so you've, you've lessons of the past, applying the same analysis, as it were, of the market conditions. So what you're saying, I needed to understand the macro first before diving in and investing in companies. I th- the reason I sort of state that again is that, you know, we, we see a lot of retail people just go without understanding the macro theme talk, without having a view of the macro just following the lead and say, ah, this is, I've been told I need to invest in this company, so I'm going to invest in this company. So you, you, you stood back and said, I've got, I've got a thought on this, and I'm confident in my thought on this. Okay. That's, I'm, and, 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 uh, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned that. Yeah, I started with the macro first and uh, looking to see if there was value. And uh, the, 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 it was just what was unfolding in front of my eyes was just, uh, you know, I couldn't believe it. I was, you know, I feel as though I know, you know, I, I've got the numbers to the winning lottery ticket. And I want to share those numbers with people who want to listen. 
but I just don't know when that lottery, when that number is going to be pulled out of that. You know, I know it's sometime soon, but I just can't tell you when. And uh, what you just said about, you know, uh, other, it's, there are other investors that, that, you know, maybe focus on the technical side of things without knowing what the macro is. That's fine. But there are other people that are just following whatever wave is out there. And that can, that in, in my opinion, that can work for a while. But from what I've seen over and over is that you can get burned pretty badly when you're getting in when, when that ride has already started. And a good example I can give you of that is cannabis stocks. Uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, I was approached, maybe a little bit more than a year and a half ago, I was approached by someone that was saying, you know, they knew that I, you know, I do research on, on investing and stuff like that. And they said, Terry, what do you think of cannabis stocks? And I said, well, I said, if you had invested in cannabis like five years ago and, in, in, you know, you would have done outstandingly well, you would have made a hell of a lot of money. But right now, like for me, this is like, I can't get in when this ride has already started, it's, it's gone up quite a bit. And, you know, at some point in time, yeah, like if I get in now, the valuations of these companies might double, it might triple again, but it could also fall by 90% because we're already at, at kind of a peak. And uh, that person, you know, couldn't, couldn't understand that, you know, my friends are making money and then someone, well, it's just not for me. And look what happened last summer. Uh, the cannabis stocks took a tumble. And that's something else that uh, I try to talk to people that want to learn, you know, understanding what market cap means. Uh, you know, you've got to cut, like, I don't, I don't want to get into a long rant about Tesla, but uh, you look at the valuation that the, mar that the market puts on a company, is that company really worth that? And sure, a company that's valued at, I don't know, let's say uh, 600 billion might double to 1.2 trillion. It might, but I'd rather invest in a, a smaller company with a smaller market cap, with good management team, good assets, you know, in a sector that's not loved where my downside might be 20 to 30% and my upside is many, many multiples. And uh, so that's kind of an asymmetric opportunity. That's what I've been looking for. And I think that's what Uranium is presenting us right now. So, so talk to me about how you go about finding information. Because again, you know, we say to people, you got to do your homework. So not just on the macro thesis, but if you're going to get into investing, you've got to understand the rules of investing. Um, and if you're going to choose, you know, certain or place certain bets or choose certain companies, you need to know why you're doing that. And you've talked you talked about fundamentals, technicals, and you know the sentiment of the market, etc. You know, some some of some of those clues. But how do you go about making an investment? That's a great question. And um, thanks for asking it. Uh, when I started, for example, in, in uranium, there was very little information. It was scarce. Um, so I, Cameco had 
outstanding information on their website. You know, they, they had information on the, on the investment thesis. They've got graphs there that show uh, the uranium spot price, the term. I didn't know what spot was. I didn't know what term. Like, uh, so I just started reading and reading. And, and back then it was like, I was lucky if I could find a new piece of information once a week. I, I'm serious in, in 2016. And uh, then slowly we started to uh, have more people talking about, uh, you know, and then I started to find stuff on YouTube. And then, you know, I just, you know, find Google Uranium and find Uranium companies. So I go on their websites and look at what they're talking about. And I saw that there was a similarity between the, 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 the companies on when they're the macro picture. I, I saw that the macro picture was pretty, pretty solid across the board. Uh, so, you know, so to answer your question, the company websites, uh, anything I could find on, on YouTube. Um, but then as time progressed, more and more people entered the space, more and more people started contributing to this space. And, uh, I want to, I want to you know, right now, just give you a little plug here, Matthew. Um, it, you know, Crux Investor has been uh, probably the best source of, uh, sort of, unbiased uh, information on, on different companies where you, you, we learn about new companies, but all, we also learn and, and gain more information on the macro. So thank you to you and your team. But um, <clears throat> there's, been, there's been other sources like uh, Mike Alkin. Uh, you know, he had a podcast, Talking Stocks Over a Beer. I listened to those religiously. Uh, Smith Weekly, Andrew, Andrew uh from Smith Weekly, he would do interviews uh, and post them on, on YouTube. And he, he, he published reports and I'd get my hands on those reports. And Twitter has been a great source of information. So John Quakes, Quakes99 on Twitter, uh, you know, listening to whatever Brandon Monroe has to say, Justin Hume, um, Uranium Insider, Marcelo Lopez, uh, follow the Money or Investor Group. So it's been a combination of these things uh, I've also uh, made it a point to go and meet with the CEOs of some of the companies I invest in. I can't, I can't meet all of them, but for the past few years, I've been going to PDAC, the, uh, the annual conference uh, here in Toronto, because it's accessible to me. And I go right to the booth and I, I, I you know, I go and talk to this, to the CEOs, meet with them directly. I have, uh, you know, one time I was in uh, Vancouver and I just dropped in unannounced uh, into the offices of two of the companies I invest in because I wanted to see what's the CEO doing and what, what are like, are there offices here really? Uh, you know, is there staff here? Uh, but also, you know, to, to, if the CEO is, was willing to meet with us. And so I, that's the kind of stuff I do. I also uh, call them regularly. I, I, I also reach out to them uh, through, you know, text messaging. Um, some of the companies, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call and I'll speak to the, to the geologist. Uh, uh, James Sykes, for example, has been very accessible, a source of excellent information. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's the kind of thing that I do to, uh, to obtain information. Okay. I can read any report that I have my hands on. Well, you know, there's, there's some good names that you've mentioned that, you know, I agree with all of those, you know, all, all good people, all good sources with the right intent. Uh, the, the companies themselves, a little bit less so, because they've, they've got to talk their own playbook, right? So how do you disseminate what good looks like and what bad looks like? That's great information. That's a great question. I, and to tell you the truth, that has evolved as 
you know, as I've been in the uranium space, uh, at the beginning, it was like, because the information was scarcer or, you know, not as available, uh, it was difficult. And uh, I think that I've made a few mistakes in my, in, in some of the purchases that I've made. Like and what? I'm waiting I mean, to- t- tell me why, like, what, why, why do you view them as a mistake? What should you have done? Uh, well, well, because because uh, as I've as I've gained more information, I've realized that you know maybe the company is set up in such a way to you know maybe just ride the next uranium bull market, and I don't want to mention names uh, more than actually uh, you know. Uh, finding a uranium deposit or they've tried to find a uranium deposit and now they they might be realizing that it's not there and the bull market hasn't come quickly enough. And, and uh, you know, uh, we were, we're, we might be just on the verge of discovering that there might not be a big uh, uranium deposit on that property. And um, so that, that kind of thing. And um, you know, also, uh, being impressed by shiny, you know, uh, suave kind of, uh, you know, talking the talk kind of people and saying, yeah, that sounds good. So I'll pull the trigger because I just want, you know, at, at the beginning, I was, I was, when I was talking about the thesis in, in 2017, I would tell people who wanted to listen uh, that I was thinking that it was going to take three to five years before this sort of started playing itself out. Internally, I was hoping that it would be a lot quicker than that, to tell you the truth. Uh, But here I am, I think 2021 is going to be my fifth year because I started buying my first equities in 2017. And it's it's probably like, I think it's gonna, we're gonna start seeing a lot of positive movement in the equities in 2021. Like I'm not predicting anything here, but that's what I think. So, um, So some of these companies, I, I think they also thought that it was going to take that it was going to happen fat, quicker. And now like light is being shed on the project and, and, you know, and, and there's no good news coming out. So um, that's what I mean. Yeah. So are you saying that in all instances, the company was with the best intent giving the information that you needed because it believed it to be true um, and it's just timing? Or do you think, have you experienced with your investing instances where perhaps it is just the market game, the, the asset never had a chance? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you judge these people? Yeah, that, so that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I, I don't think that anybody that I'm, there's no situation that I'm talking about right now I don't believe anybody had bad intentions. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, when you're investing in an explorer, I don't, it's not investing, it's speculating. And uh, so, you know, the upside is if they make a discovery, they drill a good hole, then in theory, uh, you know, the equity, the market's going to respond and you're going to see a rise in, mar- in market value, market cap. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, these, these companies that I'm talking about uh, had good intentions of finding a deposit, would, would explore, drill, but the results just weren't what we were expecting. Uh, 
And, and uh, uh, you know, I think that because there are so few companies in uranium space, if the uranium bull had started running earlier, then those boats, all boats would have been lifted and everything would have been fine. Uh, people would have made money, but uh, that's that's not the case. The, the 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 bull is taking a lot longer to come out of the barn, and uh, so now you know they I, they don't want to spend more money because it's just throwing money in the wind. You don't want to drill more holes. Uh, the market's not rewarding good news other than really ISO energy, and uh, so that that's that's what I'm thinking. There's a couple companies out there that. I think we're, they, they were hoping to make a big discovery. It hasn't happened in the past. Uh, let's just hunker down and wait for the bull market to start running and then everything will be fine. It's uh, yeah. companies that like, I, I really, I don't mind in CEO compensation. I think CEO compensation, you know, you want to, you want to compensate your CEOs properly, but bonuses, in a time where the retail investors are getting decimated. Uh, and, and I don't care if you've met your targets. I don't care if you've executed on your plan. That's your job. I think that when, when we're seeing share prices lose 40% of their value, 50% of their value, not just for a short period of time, we're talking about four years now. And, and some of these salaries are just well, not, there's one in particular, just astronomical. No, I don't think that's appropriate at all. You could spin it whatever way you want. When this thing comes around, when this thing turns around, get your bonuses, take your piece of the pie. But when people are bleeding, it's just not appropriate. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. That's something we look at very closely. I think salaries, large salaries are inappropriate. I don't, and I agree with you on bonuses for hitting targets, pre-revenue, it's, that's your job. That's what you pay right. to do. I, I agree with that. Should they be remunerated when there's success in the marketplace? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Everyone else is. Um, I, think, I think that's fair enough. Um, with regards with to your thesis. So what type of uranium companies are you looking at? Are you, because I, 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 I don't necessarily sign up to the all boats float in a, in a, in a, in a high, in, the, in a high tide, because I kind of like just keep the sea analogy thing going. It's like, I like it when the tide goes out, because you use someone else's um, description of this, you can see who's wearing clothes, you know, who's, who's wearing their, their, their swimmers, because if the fundamentals aren't there, I think that's a problem day one. Everything else is just sugarcoating and dressing. Um, and it kind of belies some of the more fundamental problems that the company may experience further down the line. But if you're someone who likes to just play the, play the market, maybe you don't care so much. But I, you know, we, we like to back management teams with good, good solid assets with a chance of actually getting into production. And that's just our view. Everyone's got a different business model, but, but, but what's yours? Uh, yeah, so so mine is is a, is is a reflection of what you've just said, uh, and as as I was explaining, it's evolved since my since I first started investing in the uranium sector, uh, because as you learn more, you know you learn more and more and more, and, and so. Um, but w- what I want to do, what what I've done with with uh, our portfolio, is I've I've spread it across uh, uh, the juniors. 
the explorers, the developers, the producers. And I've also uh, uh, tried to hit different jurisdictions. So I've got, I'm invested in, in Africa, in a, few, a couple of companies in the United States, but the major, excuse me, the majority of my portfolio is here in Canada, it, it, within the, the, those three groups. And um, so, as I mentioned to you before we started uh, the interview, um, I, my style of investment and my um, uh, sort of my, our, our makeup is I, I can take more risk, uh, like our livelihood does not depend on this money here. So, and I understand what that risk is. And, you know, I'm not going to blame like some people on Twitter, I'm not going to blame some other people, some other person, because they said, oh, here are the companies I invest in. Okay, I'm going to buy some of that. And then when that doesn't do well, I'm going to blame you for it. No, uh, you know, I'm going to take responsibility for my own actions uh, if something doesn't work out. Um, so, so yeah, so that, so I look at management teams, I look at the asset management team is very, very important. Uh, and I, I'm learning that more and more, uh, the asset to me is also important. Uh, you know, like, ex especially for the juniors and the way they're approaching the exploration to me, that that's, that's important. And in the developers, I mean, the producers, uh, just to, to be to be fair, I, I'm only invested in, in chemical uh, as a producer, and chemical is is a small percentage of my portfolio. Um, you know, I, I it's just there because it's you know I, I can count on chemical. I know I know it's a you know I know chemical very well, um, but I, I take more risk, and uh, a larger proportion of my portfolio is in the juniors. Okay. A couple of things there. Um, you mentioned Twitter, which I, I do want to come back to because um, I think it's it's an extraordinary environment, you know, both positive and negative. Um, but with regards to um, these junior companies that you're looking at, do you are you just focused on the? Uh, no, you focus on. Sorry, you did say you're focused in Africa as well. So you you you, you go across various exchanges. Um, does the just the do the different exchanges concern you? Does the cost of investing on a separate exchange deter you in any way ever? Well, that that's another thing. Uh, you know, I'd like to invest in 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 at, at least one company in Australia, but I don't have access to that company through my trading platform. Uh, I could do it, but they charge an astronomical amount. It's just and for me to move into a new kind of trading platform is just I don't want to be bothered with it right now. So. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I would invest in, in, in other areas as well if it was accessible, but it's not okay. for me right now. Okay. And I'll ask the Twitter question now, actually, which was, how does Twitter influence your decision making? Because I think you referenced it there. You know, I think you were, what you're trying to say there is like, my investment strategy shouldn't affect yours. I, I feel very comfortable in what I'm doing, but you don't... You, do you get attacked? Is that, is that what I'm sensing? Uh, well, okay. So, so let's let's. Those are kind of two questions. How does Twitter influence my decision making, and do I get attacked? Um, Twitter has zero influence on my decision making. Twitter is a, is an area where I can I can I can glean to to see if I can gain more information, and 
to tell you the truth, they're, they're like I, I mentioned, Quakes. I, I really appreciate Quakes. John Polomny is someone else I forgot to mention. Uh, great videos. Uh, there, another guy does videos called Deep Value. Uh, I listen to those. Um, so it's just an area for me to obtain information. And I'm constantly, my biggest challenge is, is finding someone to challenge the thesis. Uh, you know, like, and like, for example, I've been direct messaging John Quakes for quite a while now. And I like three years ago, I was out because we were, we thought that, you know, everybody's saying, well, okay, this could be the year this could be, and you're just waiting there in anticipation. But, uh, uh, you know, like, what did we miss? Like, you know, why is it taking so, so much time? Like there must be something we missed somewhere and I'm trying to find it. And I'd like to find it if, it if there is something up there. So that's number one. So Twitter does not influence my, my decision-making. It's just an area for me to obtain more information to process and make my own thought. Do I get attacked? Uh, not often because I am very careful uh, to, uh, you know, with what I put on the internet and how I respond. Uh, you know, I, when, I, when I see something someone posts something out there that uh, is trying to get people to move in a certain area, uh, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're talking about specific information and, and it doesn't jibe with what I think I know to be true. I'll try to question it in a, in a respectful manner. Okay. And, uh, and then it's, and then sometimes that quietly goes away, but it has happened, uh, you know, a couple times where um, people have been very hard in coming at me and say, well, you know, where, where do you get that information? That's not true. I'm connected. I, I heard this, I heard that. Well, good for you. But uh, yeah, so, and it's easy for these people to do that. Some of them are, are cloaked in anonymity. Uh, but, you know, when I, when I really realize that it's just nonsense, well, it's, you can block them. So, so there's, there's some people that I do block uh, because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon for sure. People get very brave when they're anonymous. Um, what, what did you make of Kamiko's uh, comment yesterday with regards to the hyper promotion going on with Uranium Juniors at the moment? How, how did you take that? Well, I think they're right. Uh, what, what they were talking about is the fact that um, utilities, uh, you know, uh, might have the sense that uh, oh, there's no, there's no uh, real problem with the with with the uranium supply in the future, because we've got you know four, five, six, maybe seven companies that are saying, hey, we've got projects here that are ready to go anytime. And it, oh, by the way, we're the lowest cost, you know, the uh, all-in sustaining cost. We're the lowest cost out there. And uh, you know, like there are a few of those projects that might be ready to go in the next cycle, that that look like they might have low operating costs. But I mean, I don't think they're doing themselves, and, and they're doing the sector a favor by by pumping that and uh i think you know some might be more aggressive in that arena than others uh but listen um 
in the last cycle, uh, I think there's only two, two projects, two or three projects that, that came online. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a complicated thing to, uh, you know, you need the expertise, you need the management team, you need the right permits, you need the right, you need to find the money. You know, so, you know, on the one hand, it, it might be lulling the utilities into a false sense of security. But to answer your question, I agree with what Camco has said. But so how, how does someone like you, we're here talking about to you as a retail investor focused on uranium, okay? How do you decipher what's real and what's not when you don't have access or you're, not, you're unlikely to go and pay for a trade tech report, thousands of dollars, where they're calling it the companies who perhaps are mis guiding the market with regards to what is and is not achievable in terms of how soon they can get into production, the, the, the volumes that they're going to be able to produce when they do get into production, the cost of it and so forth. And, and UXC, the same. They, 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 make, they do this analysis from the basis of technical competence, expertise, long time in the business. But you guys, you know, as a retail guy, you don't, you don't have access to that. So what do you rely on? Well, uh, to, to tell you the truth, uh, with some of the reporting agencies that you just talked about, I'm not sure I put a lot of faith in what they say either, because because you know the way that they report the the the, the spot price and the term price is just not geared to the retail investor anyways. So uh, so you know I rely on information that I can get my hands on. Uh, sometimes I'm like, sometimes I'm not sure if, if the company will be able to produce in the next cycle, but you know, if they've got a good enough story and the bull market decides to run and, and, you know, the management team is half decent and the project is half decent, I might decide to invest in the company anyways, as a proportion of my portfolio. And and that's fair enough. And that's fair enough, yeah. Terry. But what I'm getting at is at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about you had to buy into the, the macro story, right? But if you do look at the UXCs and the trade tax, their analysis of spot price has been right. It's been right for the yeah. last two or three, four years. They've called it right. You can't, so we can't say they don't know what they're talking about. But I'm, I'm interested in what you're saying. There's like, you as a retailer have got a bunch of different decision-making criteria by which you judge this. You know, you're saying, I believe in the fundamentals of this company, therefore, and I, I believe in the macro, therefore I think it'll be okay eventually. It's just timing, right? But so why, why do you not put any store by what these industry associations come up with in terms of their analysis of, of not just spot price, but the companies themselves? Well, First of all, I, I, I never, I've never thought of it. So you're the first one to sort of suggest that to me. Second of all, I, I don't know if I can get my hands on it. Uh, third, third of all, you know, if, if that's the kind of service that uh, the Crux Club investor provides, then, you know, <laughs> then that's the kind of, so, so do you know? Yeah. Because if you, that's something that I, you know, I, I, I'd be interested in knowing. We, well, we, we, we do, and that's why, that's partly why we're really interested to see how people access information, yeah. how they inter- interrogate it, how they you know, interpret it. Um, but yeah, we do have that information. We do share it with 
you know, the, the, the correct club members, because I think I think the retail market is at a disadvantage. And in many ways, I think these industry associations should make this information available to yeah. the public in the same way that the gold council does for the gold sector. The company, you know, gold companies pay for the gold council to exist. Uranium sector, not so much. You know, they, these yeah. UXC and Tritech are commercial organizations. Of course, they've got to charge for reports. They've got to pay their salaries, pay their way. But what I, so whatever I think doesn't, not necessarily, doesn't necessarily matter there, but what I think is important is to recognize that these guys have good, solid information. And I think, yet again, the retail guys are getting a little bit, you know, but yeah. bent, bent over, bent out of shape, that's a better way of phrase, um, by not having access to the right information, whereas the funds do, the companies do, and it, it just seems unfair to me. That's, that's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make. Well, and it's a good point, Matt. You know, and without that, the only thing that I can do as a retail investor is what I've been explaining to you so far and making making calculated bets that I'm comfortable with. And, you know, uh, even though some of these reports, uh, you know, if, if I was making my investment decisions using information in these reports, uh, when, when money starts pouring into a sector, and I'm not saying all boats are going to be lifted here, but there's a phenomena out there of you know algorithms and and uh, investor groups out there that share information. You know, you could have the worst you know uh, company in the uranium sector if if someone else there out there starts to pump this thing the right way, and we've seen it. We've seen it in the past like couple months. They, if, they, if it starts getting pumped the right way, the thing could outperform the rest of them. Yeah, and that's that's so, that's part of the game. I, the, the, the fun, the fun and fancy of the fair. That is part of the part of the game. You know, not just unique to uranium. It, it happens in lots of places. We've seen it in the gold environment recently and silver, where the you know fundamentals of the company, the asset, and likewise, it's irrelevant. People get excited. There's money to be made on the way up, but at the end of that. There's people left holding the baby. There's people left out of pocket. It happened in the uranium cycle last cycle. We're seeing it, you know, now. Now that uh, gold prices dropped off, we're seeing, you know, the share price drop back. People are left, you know, underwater. And we, and again, it's just something yeah. that we rail against here. This is why we don't like the kind of, to use Kamiko's phrase, hyper prom promotion, the misleading, misguiding information, because. At the end of the day, some people will make money, a lot more will lose money. And that's our problem yes. with how retail get treated. It's the game is slightly rigged in that in that sense. And that's something I don't think is fair and that perhaps needs to be addressed more often by having the, the right information, more information to allow better decision making. I, I guess that's why why I'm intrigued to you know, hear from you the processes you go through, the conversations that you have on social media. And, you know, I know you belong to some, you know, great groups on there, great uranium groups, great conversations, and some very generous people like, you know, the John Quakes of this world, giving the information for free. But at the end of the day, you still got to interpret it. You've still got to understand right. it to be able to make those decisions and not just go on the hype. Well, you know, you got me sold, uh, Matt. 
I'm go I'm going to get on that list for to, to be the crux on the crux investor club there. So as long as you waive the seven day, I, you. Wait, I tell you what, Terry, here's one for you. Because you've been generous with your time today, we'll give you a free membership for the club. There's some, you know, some great people. We'll, we'll get you on there for, for sure. Cause I, you know, I like your attitude. That's very open, very honest. And, you know, that's the kind of people that are on there, you know, who are very sharing and generous. No, we, no trolling. We've got one strike in your app policy. It's just, you know, you're here to help each other because it's all abilities, all ages, all experience, all intelligence on there. And I think, they're all helping each other, and that's what we like about that. And it's a great community. But no, you you, you got you got yourself a free ticket there for uh, oh, sharing with us today, for sure. Wow, what a thank you. What, well, an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And, and uh, we say it's been designed by the members. We've just built it, so they've designed it. We've built it. So and, and so, all ideas are, are are good ideas. So we put all ideas on on the table, and you know, like I say, you know, it's okay to disagree. It's okay sure. to disagree. What you don't need to do is then go and attack the other person for having a different view. And that's something that we patrol, you know. Um, we don't have to go into the madness of these some of these chat rooms. Um, well, I, tell you, I think we are kind of out of time here. That's been a fantastic romp through your brain. I'm saying how you think. Um, I agree with you. I th I'm very excited about Uranium for 2021. Um, I think we're sort of la latter half, Q4 I'm going. Don't know about you. Don't know how optimistic you are, <laughs> Q4. Um, but, you know, we'll, I'll bump into you in the club by the sounds of it. I'll have one of the guys or gals reach out to you and set that up. And uh, keep up the good work, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Matt. Just one last thing. Whether it's Q1 2021, Q2, I, I don't care. The longer it takes, the better it's going to be. So... Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. And thank you for your generosity. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com. And of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback. So please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.